Now, we are told by Luke in the book of Acts that there were people in Jerusalem, in the holy city, from every nation under heaven, every corner of the earth. And when some of those folks saw what was happening on that first Pentecost, they said, ah, the folks are drunk. They're, they're just filled with new, cheap wine. They didn't believe a lick of what was happening around them. Despite seeing it with their own eyes, they just didn't believe. It wasn't a miracle. It was too many mimosas before noon. But Peter stood up and with the eleven said, No, 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 these folks are not drunk as you suppose. It's too early for that. This is a fulfillment of the prophet when he spoke for God and spoke for God and said this, I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall see things, and your young men shall see things, and your old men shall dream dreams. God shall pour out the spirit on all flesh, on all people. This wonderful prophecy, this wonderful good news was fulfilled on that glorious day. So why then, why do two siblings who grew up in the same family, attended the same church, and received the same love and instruction, why do they often go such different ways? If God has indeed poured out the Spirit upon all flesh, then why do some people believe and others don't? I get this question a lot. I got it this past week from parents who worry about their adult children who no longer go to church. I get this question from men and women who are anxious about their spouse, a spouse whom they love who just doesn't believe like they do. I get this question from siblings even who worry about their wayward brother or sister who has wandered far from God. If on Pentecost God poured out the Spirit on all people, then why do some believe and others don't? The first passage you heard read today from Corinthians contains a verse that lays the foundation of Reformed theology, the theology that shapes what we believe as Presbyterians. It's the first verse of the passage you heard. No one, Paul says, no one can say Jesus Christ is Lord without the gift of the Spirit. No one can have faith in Jesus without first being given that faith as a gift. Faith is not earned or acquired or bought. It is given freely by God. No one can believe without first receiving the Spirit, which, of course, if makes me wonder, I'm guessing makes you wonder too, why then doesn't God just choose to give the Spirit of God to everyone? Why did some people that glorious morning at first Pentecost believe and others think folks were drunk? If faith is a gift, and faith is a good gift, then why doesn't everybody get it? It's a tough question. And if you're looking for an easy answer, to hang your hat on. There are easy answers out there. Some folks, Calvin included, will say that it's all a matter of predestination. We're pre-programmed. Some of us are good to go, locked into salvation. Others, sorry, you lost the lottery. You're not going there when you die. Others will say that having faith, believing in Jesus, believing in God is up to you, up to us. 
If we don't believe, that's a choice we make. We're just stubborn or prideful or unable to see what is true. It's on you. Now, others will say that the church is to blame. We are to blame for the lack of faith in the world. We don't live with enough conviction or courage to convince people that the good news is actually true. It's on us. It's our fault. Okay, there are answers. I don't like any of them, but they're out there. And truth be told, no one really knows why some people believe, why some kids in the same family buy the message hook, line, and sinker, and others spend their whole lives questioning what their parents believe is so true. We don't know. But let's talk for a second about two things we do know. The first is that we worship a God of love. This is non-negotiable, period. I want to argue this with anybody. God loves everybody. God loves. That's what God is, who God is, what God does. God is love. The cross, the empty tomb, all of it points to the nature and the extent of God's gracious love. That's God agreeing with me. (laughs) If not, then we'll have a different conversation. The second thing we know that we don't quite like as much is that we worship a God whose ways are not our ways. We worship a God who is spirit. The third member of the Trinity doesn't get much attention, but it should. It's just as important as the first two. God creates, God relates, but God also moves among us in a way that is at times untamable, unpredictable, and even unrecognizable. God is spirit, and God is love. We worship a God of spirit who cannot be manipulated or controlled or bent to our will, and we worship a God of love who stops at nothing to show us that love. Both of these statements are true, and both need to be considered when we ask the question, why us and not them? My conversion story is so religious, it's almost comical. I was 12 years old when I went to hear the famous preacher Dr. James Forbes offer a late Sunday night sermon at my very traditional, very Caucasian, very wealthy, very practical, very grounded Presbyterian church. My mother, my sister, my grandmother, And a lot of my friends that I grew up with were there. My dad was with me too, which was pretty amazing at that time. We were all there hearing Dr. Forbes preach. At the end of his sermon, it was a good sermon. I don't recall any of it, but it was good. At the end of his sermon, he did something that you don't do in a Presbyterian church. He had an altar call. He invited anybody who was there who wanted to come forward to give their life to Jesus to come forward and give their life to Jesus. And for some reason, much to my mother's horror, I stood up. Now, she tried everything but tackling me to get me to sit back down. Did you sit Everybody else in my family was just shocked. They didn't know what was going on, but I, I wouldn't sit down. Something had got a hold of me. I, I felt something that I never felt before. I felt the magnitude of God's love for me. And I'd be honest, I haven't felt that feeling ever since, but at that moment, it was real. And I was overwhelmed by it. So I walked forward with some guy in his 70s who I never saw again. And we knelt down and I received Jesus into my heart. But here's the thing. There were about 500 other people in that sanctuary that night. 500 people, or 498, who the Spirit of God seemed to pass by, seemed to ignore. 
And I struggled to understand why that happened, why they hadn't felt what I had felt. Truth be told, I spent much of my high school and college experience trying to make sense of what happened that night. I was a blast to be around. I spent years wondering why good friends, good girlfriends, bad girlfriends, family members and professors didn't believe in Jesus like I did. How could they not believe like I did? I worried about them a lot, and I struggled with their lack of faith. But what's crazy now when I look back is that I can say for certain that all my worrying, all my anxiety about them did not do one lick of good. In fact, it made me kind of miserable and kept me from my true calling. The more I struggled with why I believed and others didn't, the more I was overwhelmed with my own sense of unworthiness. I didn't deserve this gift. As long as I believed that it was my faith, my choice that saved me, the more anxious I felt about other people who made different choices, the worse I felt about myself. I didn't deserve this gift. And the further and further I got from the reason God had chosen me, giving me the Spirit in the first place. Now, I'm still working out this idea, so bear with me. But what if, what if God gives some people faith and others not? To remind all of us that faith is a gift. What if God chooses to give some people the gift of faith and others not, so all would know that God's love is a gift? If faith was something we could acquire, if there was some formula, if true conversion was something we could orchestrate, if Pentecost was like vaccination, then we might begin to think that we find our way to God. And we don't find our way to God. God finds a way to us. And this truth, this reality that God comes to us, changes everything. For when we accept that faith is a gift that was given by God and God alone, it alters the way we see other people who don't think and believe like we do. And it expands, I believe, our capacity to love them and ourselves. When we receive faith as a gift, we become the church, the church that the world desperately needs us to be. The Central African Republic is a landlocked nation in Africa that is torn apart right now by religious violence between Christians and Muslims. Recently, in the middle of the the ongoing conflict, a group of Christians in the village of Karat did something that showed me and others that they understand the nature of God's love. Four months ago, Christian militia fighters attacked the small town looking to kill any Muslim they could find. When the priest and his colleagues in the local Catholic parish heard about this, they opened the gates and let Muslims come in. At first, it was a small trickle of people who sought sanctuary in that church, but now there are up to 1,000 Muslims hiding out inside that sanctuary. And around the church are Christian militia with guns and machetes hurling angry threats, being held back by a small group of peacekeepers. Men so old their eyes are clouded with cataracts, kids, orphans who saw their parents slaughtered, widows caring for seven kids or more have all made the sanctuary of their enemy their home. And other Christians threaten to burn the place down. Even though some have been given, obviously some have been given the gift of faith and others obviously have not, 
There is no us and them. God has not chosen sides or drawn a line in the sand. God has simply, for some mysterious reason, commissioned people like you and me to tell the story. To tell the story of a love that is freely given to all people. God loves everyone. It doesn't matter what their religion is or even they have a religion. God loves everyone. And it's not our job to be anxious about whether or not they're saved. Salvation is the gift that we are not equipped to give. What we should worry about and be anxious about and think about is whether or not people know that they are loved by the God who loves us. Why us and not them? Because we've been chosen. We've been given a responsibility, a gift, to share the love of God, a love that has been freely given to all so that all, including us, might experience the gift of God's amazing grace. So your kid doesn't go to church. Your spouse doesn't believe. Your sister thinks you're nuts. It's okay. It's okay. God loves them. Will they come to faith one day? Maybe. Maybe not. But within that unexplainable mystery is the very thing that all of us seek. Unconditional love. Amen.